0: Part two, Aylesbeer and Hartford Commons. So how about that traffic noise? It's not the sound that you might immediately associate with an RSPB reserve, so a haven for the country's rarest bird species. But this major road cuts right through the pebble teeth, and to get into this reserve, you have no choice but to cross it. And cross is how Toby Taylor feels about it. So he is the RSPB's manager here, and they've leased these commons from Clinton Devon Estates since the late 70s. And he has been working here himself for nearly 30 of those years. And I met him for a walk here the other day. So he wears this home-darned fisherman's jumper that camouflages perfectly with the brown of this heathland scrub, just as many of the birds do. And he's a local lad, he grew up trashing around the commons as he puts it, as well as Dartmoor and the X River. And he fell for this job, not because he's a twitcher or a bird-spotting fanatic, but because he just loves the feeling of being out in the open air and the wild landscape. And I expected him to at least have become one of those birders by now, someone who keeps meticulous log of all avian species spotted. But he scoffed at that and he said, I'm not someone who feels a need to see a bird that's been blown off course to a strange habitat and is completely knackered. That kind of bird should be left to recover rather than being harassed by a load of birders with a telescope. So that put that straight. But having said that, over the years, Toby's come to know a lot of what there is to know about all the many birds that do live here. And not long ago, he commissioned a study on the impact of this road's noise on the yellow hammers. So they're the tiny little yellow birds streaked with black and chestnut who sing a little bit of bread and no cheese over and over again. And the results showed that there is an impact and it's a bit like what happens to city birds so they have to sing several notches louder to compete with the racket. But because this road's been here so long now it's quite hard to find data to show how the wildlife numbers would change if it were moved. So Toby's pretty grimly resigned to it being here to stay. But luckily it doesn't take very long for us to pace away from the road, along the track before the noise fades to a hum and the occasional distant siren. So we're moving along the crest of another hill now on a similar heathland to Woodbury Common, but with a view that swung around to face the magnificent Sid Valley. And there are two great ridged hills ahead of us. They look like giant green loaf cakes with fluffy dark icing on top and they dip down in the middle Bit like one of my bakes, to be honest, and to what looks like this wooded pass through them. And that is Hartford Woods, where we're going to be going next. And the thick tree cover there, as we can see it from here, conceals the fact that there's actually a deep gorge right there in the center. So we can still see the blue of the sea, too, now, but it's a shimmer to the far right-hand side of our vista. So although this Heathland is similar to Woodbury Common, where we were just walking. It's not quite the same. If you look at the foliage, the gorse and heather are a little more tightly packed here, and there are a few less tree clumps and scraped areas, a few less paths too, it seems, and that's because the RSPB, as you might expect, is very focused on its bird life and the insect species that support them, rather than necessarily so much on footpaths and or another in plant life. And Toby has a bunch of very dedicated volunteers who come out here every week to help survey the different species and to clear and maintain the scrub when it's necessary. And Toby explained to me that he keeps a detailed map for this up here as he tapped his head and grinned with a twinkle in his eye. So, on our walk now, we might see or hear a host of different birds. The RSPB's star species are the Dartford warbler, the nightjar, the stone chat, the tree pipit, and the yellowhammer. But other birds that live and range across these commons are incredibly varied. So, we might encounter a hen harrier, the goshawk, the sparrowhawk, or the honey buzzard, the rough legged buzzard, the red kite the osprey or the skylark, the shoveler, the widgeon, the greylag goose, the kingfisher, the stock dove, the lapwing, the turtle dove or the teal. We might see the jackdaw, the cuckoo, the hobby or the linnet, the hawfinch, the great grey shrike, the quail or the nightingale. We might see the pied flycatcher golden Oriole, the dunnock or the corn crape. the green shank, the marsh warbler, the song thrush or the field fair. We might even glimpse the ring oozel, the barn owl, the wheat ear, the wimble, the rosy starling, the firecrest, the brambling or the merlin jack snipe, the bullfinch, the sand martin, the missile thrush, the Tree Creeper, the Tufted Duck, the Golden Plover or the Grasshopper Warbler. Right now we're passing a rectangular section of pebbles, lovely big smooth round ones with a couple of misshapen piles to the side. So if I hadn't walked here with Toby the other week, I might have assumed these were more scrapes, but it turns out that they've been here since the Bronze Age. So back then, this rectangular area was probably a ceremonial death platform. So a place where bodies would have been laid, perhaps at the center of a funeral ritual, and then left to be stripped by the wild beasts and the birds. And then the bones, or at least the bones of the most notable people in the community, would have been buried in the nearby tumuli, burial mounds. So when the RSPB realized the significance of this spot, they started work with an archeologist on a reconstruction, but they ran out of time and money. So this is still a work in progress. Oh look, there's a dragonfly just hovering over the path. There are other aerial insect species bobbing about around here with evocative names. They include the dagger fly, the flesh fly, appropriately for these funeral platforms, the soldier fly and the crane fly. There's the fungus gnat, the mining bee, the digger wasp and the heath potter wasp, as opposed to the Harry Potter, which remains as yet unidentified. So far as I know. So what's the RSPB's story here? Well, as Toby recounted to me, it all started with a fiver and a summer caravan experiment. So back in the 70s, the RSPB had their regional office in Exeter. And one day, this birder phoned the office stammering that they'd seen a pair of Montagu's Harriers on Aylesbury Common. And this is an extremely rare bird in the UK and it had never before been seen in this area. So everyone got very excited. And the Montague's Harrier is this slim, long-winged, long-tailed bird of prey, and they migrate from Africa every summer, and they prefer arable farmland to marshland. So all these twitchers came dashing over to Aylesbeer in the hope they'd be able to tick one of these off their list. And that prompted the RSPB to ask Clinton Devon if they could possibly send someone to hang out on the common in a caravan just for a summer to observe the bird life. And over the next few months, that led them to find a whole raft of birds. I'm a total novice to birding. I'm just not patient or focused enough but i'm slowly learning to identify some different bird calls now and i'm keen to learn more i'm pretty confident with some calls like the teacher teacher of the great tit and the chif chaff of the chif chaff and the fountain-like notes of the blackbird and a bunch more common ones but i'm pretty ropey especially in a place like this where there are lots of different calls that sound together like this huge choir it feels a bit like a new language that I'm trying to pick up alongside my kids. But I am definitely finding that the more I can start to identify and name things like types of birdsong when I'm out in nature, the more I feel like I can understand it and how all the different elements speak to each other and work together and the more miraculous it all seems. But Toby is an old hand, so when I stood still with him on this spot right here, and asked how many different bird calls he could identify right now, he raised an eyebrow at me and waited about 30 seconds, and then confidently picked out and named 11 birds, which was pretty impressive. Well, just over there to the right, thanks to Toby, I know that sweet singing, tiny, tawny bird that's perched on a gorse bush That, I think, is a linnet, and there are two of them. The other one's just circling around the first one, landing nearby every so often, then flickering off again, dipping and rising and disappearing into the foliage. They're clearly a pair. They might be building a nest from the soft, bendy grasses or feeding their chicks. They have such different behaviours to each other as well, these heathland birds, even the little ones that might, if you just see them without binoculars, look really similar when they're bobbing about. And you have to linger and really notice to spot the differences. So Toby told me about how the Dartford warbler, for instance, one of their superstars, is a skulker. So it often hangs around near the more confident stone chats, hiding out in the bushes. And then it goes to the lower lying insects, like spiders in contrast to the aerial ones. is starting to dip downwards now. It's Hartford Common connects into Aylesbury, Beer. And if you look across these two commons, you can see a scattering of ponds. And I asked Toby about them and he explained the little heathland birds don't really need them. They mostly drink raindrops and dew. But the ponds support a lot of other wildlife It's part of this ecosystem, so newts and damselflies, among others. And they might look like natural water sources, but most of them aren't. And they weren't even put in carefully as a planned ecological project. So it turns out that they were dug by a random British gas operative when he was putting in a pipeline here back in the nineties. And at the last minute, the RSPB gave him a bell and said, Hey, so, uh, since you'll be there with a digger, would you mind just taking a moment at the end of the day and making a few holes for our wildlife ponds? And he agreed. And Toby and the team turned up next day to find several deep, rectangle-shaped holes in the ground, which didn't fit at all with the wild aesthetic of the landscape or with the graduated form of a natural pond that would help it function for a lot of the species that the RSPB hoped would use them. So over the years, they've reshaped the ponds, just splaying out the edges a bit, so they look more like they were always meant to be here, more amoeba-like, like one of William Gilpin's creations. And now, if you look into one carefully, you might see a palmate newt disappearing under some pondweed, or the rapid squiggle of a grass snake swimming just under the surface. Talking of snakes, there are several around here. So we might see an adder around the path, one of the few venomous snakes in this country, or even a smooth snake. And they're really rare, and they've been reintroduced to these commons quite recently. And before that, the last one was seen here back in the 1980s, when a gentleman spotted it on a walk, and he promptly bashed it on the head with his walking stick, took it home, pickled it, and sent it up to his zoologist friend in Aberdeen for identification. And after that, nobody else had the pleasure of spotting a smooth snake here for the next 40-odd years. It's impossible to think about landscape and species conservation in places like this without also thinking about climate change in the future and to wonder how these commons are going to change as the climate heats up and what's at risk. So Chris and Sam are both predicting wetter winters, which might affect some of the migrating bird and butterfly species and more stormy events, more runoff from the rain. Hotter, drier summers, which could stress some of the plants. Or create more goils, which are these cracks in the footpath. Maybe make fires more likely. And a warmer climate might push this landscape to be more grass-driven than heather-driven. Especially if the heather beetle comes to feast. And that would change the whole character of these pebbled heaths. Which is the landscape that's inherently bound up with heather. And then the words themselves tell us that. Heather, heath... Heath heather. We're dipping quite steeply down now, down into the valley, towards the Hartford wood and the shady world of the tree dwellers. This point in the walk reminds me a bit of a Kathleen Jamie poem that goes, I stand neither in the wilderness nor fairyland, but in the fold of a green hill, the tilt from one parish into another.